Hey, Beyond the Mixtape family, welcome to episode three. Today is going to be a little bit different. We will be joined by a special guest for both segments. We're going to do two different segments today. The first segment, we're going to talk about a little bit of the trading card industry and a little bit of sports. And then the second one, we're going to talk about 1980s horror films. That's right. So hang on to your seat. We're getting ready to roll. And let me go ahead and get you introduced to our special guest for the day. It's the one, the only, my oldest son, Taylor Smith. Welcome, Taylor. Hey, it's good to be here. Hope everybody's doing well. Just a little bit about me real quick. I am a U.S. Navy veteran. Uh, currently, I'm a private security contractor at a family of local healthcare facilities. I've been in and out of the trading card hobby for a while. Been in uh, as of late, more often right. than not. And uh, thanks to the wonderful host here, I've been into movies for quite a long time. Yeah, you didn't have much choice growing up in this house, did you? You, <laughs> yeah. you, you didn't have a whole lot of choice about uh, enjoying music and movies and things like that. So let's go ahead and get started, Taylor. We'll talk about um, your kind of your kind of specialty as far as our uh, trading card stuff goes is hockey. Yeah. So. Let's talk first a little bit about hockey, the sport, because um, I, I know we have people listening from everywhere, but we have a lot of our listeners are in the Southeast, mm -hmm. and hockey's just not as big a sport necessarily here as you think of with football, baseball, things like that. So educate us a little bit about uh, hockey and what's going on in professional hockey right now, even. All right. So... Uh, yeah, being in the geographical region that we're in, hockey isn't as popular, but there are major league teams and minor league teams all over the southeast. As far as major league goes, you have the Nashville Predators, the Carolina Hurricanes, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, there used to be the Atlanta Thrashers, but they're, they're not that. around anymore, yeah. Uh, so as far as hockey, the sport goes... Uh, Kind of hard to describe with one kind of all-encompassing general phrase, but there's a puck. You're trying to get it into the net. Uh, each team has five skaters and one goalie. Uh, in terms of professional hockey, now's a phenomenal time to start watching. We have All-Star Weekend coming up uh, February 2nd, that weekend. As far as the game as a whole, it's faster than it's ever been. Uh, the guys are bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. So it's a great time to watch really exciting hockey. That's a talent that I uh, have to be envious of because I've never been a skater. <laughs> I mean, roller skating was about as dangerous as I got back in the day. I don't do that now anymore with insurance being as bad as it is. <laughs> so, um, but ice skating, I, I have, I'll just say I've never tried it, but those guys amaze me how fast they're going and how hard they hit each other mm -hmm. while they're going. And the fact that they maintain balance after they hit each other a lot yeah. of times. That, that's <laughs> yeah. the part that flips me out. I, I, I really admire hockey players because that takes a lot, of, uh, a lot of athletic skill to pull that off. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about um, the way the uh, major league hockey season is shaping up right now. Who's kind of out front and looking good as far as like playoffs, Stanley Cup hopes, all that stuff? All right, so uh, 
currently, it's changed a lot within the last few weeks, but the Edmonton Oilers are on a 14-game win streak currently. I saw that the other day. I saw, yeah. so were they, isn't that on the verge of like being a, maybe an all-time record as far as a win streak? Uh, for f- that franchise in particular, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, Nashville Predators are doing really well right now. Not 14-game win streak well, but compared <laughs> to last season, we're, we're really hanging in there. We did have the manager change. We've had players come and go. Some have been uh, sent back to the AHL, and others have been called up. But so far, the lineup's looking really good. Uh, we need a little more help on defense, but... Uh, right now, if the playoffs started tomorrow, we'd be in a wild card spot, which is good. I gotcha. So now I noticed as you were talking there, you referred to the Predators as we. So are the Predator? Is that your team? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep, definitely a, a hometown fan, as close as we can get to hometown. <laughs> I <fan>. gotcha. I <laughs> gotcha. So tell us who who are some of the big names that we should know right now in uh, in hockey. So uh, right now you have. Uh, Alex Ovechkin for the Washington Capitals. Okay. He's been playing a while. He's actually, uh, he might be able to break uh, Gretzky's goal record before he retires. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Probably not going to happen this season, but definitely look for that in the next few seasons. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Then we have Marc-Andre Fleury. He's a goalie currently for the Minnesota Wild. He actually... Just uh, past Patrick Waugh in okay. terms of all-time goalie wins. Okay. Patrick Waugh, spelled R-O-Y. Right. right. You have to get used to a lot of weird spellings if you're yeah. going to follow hockey, right? Yep. Okay. So anybody else? Uh, any young guys? Any Anybody that we should be aware of coming up? Um, Just real quick, back to Patrick Waugh. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's actually the new head coach for the New York Islanders. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, got hired on behind the bench for them and... Uh, I've seen footage and everything. He he started with a lot of intensity for them, which is good. They needed a little more discipline behind the bench. I gotcha. Yeah. So in terms of young guys right now, uh, everybody's talking about Bedard. Okay. He's he's supposed to be the next great one. He's shown a lot of really awesome output so far. Uh, does have the broken jaw currently, okay. but gotcha. he is. He is skating with the team for practices, wow. just in a no-contact jersey. One of the hazards of uh, of hockey is getting the broken jaw or the the teeth knocked out. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. How, how does that usually happen? Now, I, I'm sorry, taking you away from your your listing there, but how does that usually happen as far as the injuries go uh, when you see guys losing teeth or having a broken jaw or things like that? Is that typically from a fight, or is that typically like bashing into each other? Uh, as they skate at high speed, how's that usually happen? So most of the time, uh, everybody relates hockey and fighting, yeah, which is good because it, it, you know, <laughs> it's it's an adrenaline draw for a lot of people. But that's not where a lot of the injuries happen. Okay, it, you know, it, it's it's not zero percent chance for injury, obviously, right? But a lot of it will come from poor discipline or uh, hits, just straight up hits. Gotcha. So, you know, sometimes people will catch elbows to the face, just like in almost any other sport. Right. Sometimes it will be from hits, but a lot of the time, that's just people getting the wind knocked out of them, or maybe a tweak, and then they'll come back later in the game. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so back to your listing, the the young guys coming up there. I know you mentioned Bedard. Who else have we got out there? Uh, Cole Caulfield is still relatively new. This is his 
second year or third year, one or the other. But okay. he's done really well so far, putting up a lot of points as a defenseman. And uh, he was really, really helping out the Montreal team. He did have an injury thing, but that seems to be the case with a lot of the guys more in, in more recent years okay. when they're switching from the AHL, uh, which is the American Hockey League, okay. up to the NHL, which is the show, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anybody else we should be aware of there? Um, in terms of Nashville, yeah. at least, uh, Luke Evangelista is, is a pretty big one. He's okay. been coming up. Uh, Colton Sissons, pretty good. Uh, Huso Parsonen actually just got relegated back to the Milwaukee Admirals from the Predators. Okay. He had a really, really awesome season last year. He's one that kind of came in partway through the season, so this is going to be his first full year with the Preds. But uh, I mean, now it won't be his first full year, right? Because <laughs> he got relegated. But hopefully, he he's able to make a comeback. Hopefully, he finds his game and can come back up to Nashville. Okay, so one of the names that I was always hearing uh, as one of the new upcoming guys was Connor McDavid. Is he is he still is he still uh, uh, on the radar as far as an up and comer? Uh, he's he's more established now. His I gotcha. uh, his rookie year was fifteen sixteen. Okay, but. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, a well-established all-star. He actually has... So the way they're doing the all-star weekend this year, they're having multiple teams uh, not split by conference, which is new. Yeah. So they're having multiple all-star teams, and they each have a captain. Connor McDavid is one of those captains. Okay. And then they also all have a celebrity co-captain. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Taylor, to kind of wind up this part of our discussion, let me ask you one question. I want to get your feedback on this and, and uh, educate our listeners and everything. Uh, if I'm just Joe Schmo out here and I, I love football and I love basketball and I love baseball, I watch you know college and major leagues and even go watch some high school games or whatever, tell me why I should watch hockey. What's the, what's the big pull-in for hockey? What? What would make me say, "Yep, I'm I'm keeping up with this now"? It's it's just action, man. It's it's really great. Uh, I I love baseball, but there's there's a lot of downtime. You know, right? It's not like that with hockey. When the clock is on, the puck is moving, the guys are skating around. There's always going to be action, whether it's actually on the puck, whether they're shooting, scoring. You have big hits that's not comparable to any other sport. And if you're wanting to get into hockey, go support your local minor league team. There's minor league teams all over the country, and they can always use another fan in the barn. So close by to us here, we've got the Knoxville Ice Bears. Yep. Now, the uh, the Ice Bears are a lot of fun to watch. Speaking from personal experience, I, I've seen them play quite a few times, and, and that, that's a lot of action. You, you really don't know where to look. All the time, even if you lose the puck in all the action, man, there's something going on all the time. So, all right, Taylor, let's go ahead and transition now and talk a little bit about hockey as a hobby. Uh, and when, when we say this, you guys, most of you probably know that we have Smith & Sons Collectible Investments, which is our uh, Facebook page for our hobby slash side Hustle, what, whatever you want to, whatever label you want to attach to it. Uh, that involves uh, myself, Taylor, and my younger son, Sawyer. So we have 
um, enjoyed collecting together. We have enjoyed doing shows together where uh, we set up as a vendor and sell um, either sealed product, um, singles, graded cards, um, collectible items, things like that. We'll get into that in depth more in another show. Um, maybe even have Sawyer on here with us and, and we'll all three kind of talk through that with you. But we enjoy collecting as a hobby and we enjoy it as um, a side hustle, whatever you would attach to that. But I want you to tell people, uh, Taylor, kind of uh, a general overview of what got you into collecting hockey cards. All right. So uh, I'll, I'll actually start with what just got me into hockey. Okay. So one of my roommates when I was in, in the Navy uh, played for a brief time for the University of Maine for their hockey team. Right. And uh, so one day we were just sitting around and he said, hey, man, do you want to go skate? And I was like, yeah, sure, we'll go skate. So we went to go ice skating and then he was he told me that I had decent feet under me for somebody that hadn't skated a lot. And uh, he said, so would you ever want to play, like, developmental hockey, just like rec league hockey? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, absolutely. <laughs> that sounds awesome. So I got into it uh, from there. But as far as the collecting aspect, the card side, um, so I've I've always kind of liked collecting cards. I was really big into Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon back in the day. Yes, you uh, were. <laughs> I'm sure you can You're welcome. To that. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, I, I got back into it because when I started playing rec league hockey, I started watching professional hockey more. Right. And then uh, one of my other friends uh, was also really into hockey, and he gave me my first couple of hockey cards. And uh, they were guys guys from the 90s, you know, uh, Yarmer Yager, yeah. Gretzky, uh, Pavel Burr, stuff like that. But uh, so then I started looking into it, and I started, initially I got into it via whatnot. Yeah. You know, I I bought into breaks on there and stuff like that. But uh, what really appealed to me as, you know, at, at least in terms of the side hustle, is lower comparative cost in terms of, you know, at least in relating to the other major sports, you know, baseball, basketball, football. Right. So for uh, those of you that may not uh, be as familiar with it, when he's talking about the cost, he's talking about... Uh, buying the uh, boxes of of sealed cards that you hope to get a, a good players and, and bigger hits, like the more rare cards and stuff out of. And uh, hobby boxes of those can go from, in most sports, um, excluding hockey, can go from anywhere from, you know, 100-ish bucks um, on up to, Goodness gracious, we've seen them as high as fifteen hundred, two thousand yeah. dollars, things like that. National treasures, right? Some of the like higher that. end product yeah. can can be in the thousands of dollars yeah. per box. So, um, as far as the lower comparative cost, what what do you see as the um, the big plus as far as that that low cost being able to get you into hockey collecting? So, number one, it makes it more accessible for people that don't have you know seven eight hundred dollars to blow on sure. something that might not be a guaranteed hit or you know maybe it is and it's just not the one you wanted right uh which is always you know part of part of the gamble of sealed product right but uh you see a lot of really awesome hits and really even valuable hits for hockey come out of 
$100 boxes, $150 boxes. Uh, and if it's not someone that you personally collect, there there is somebody out there that collects him. Yeah, you can find somebody that collects every player pretty much, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, something else that I think helps kind of the, the hit rates for that is hockey. You probably have three lines of five skaters, so you probably have 15 primary offense and defense right. and two goalies per team. And there's 32 teams, so, you know, there's... There's a pretty high number of teams, but as far as team size goes, yeah. hockey definitely has some of the other sports beat. Gotcha. So tell us a little bit, Taylor, about as far as your your take on it, what are some of the best products as far as uh, companies and name brands and everything to collect as far as the hockey side of collecting goes right now? Yeah, so uh, Upper Deck has pretty much the exclusive license for trading cars cards for the for the nhl so there's no panini there's no uh any other companies it's just upper deck gotcha but in terms of which lines of product people are always after the young guns which are the uh, flagship rookie set that upper deck has okay so that comes out at three different points throughout the year there's series one series two and extended series okay so those are all in the flagship uh line that upper deck has and those are always big uh, that's a very long-standing insert series that's been around since the early 90s. And one of the other good things about Upper Deck is they keep a lot of insert series going. They have the the die cuts with SPX and stuff like that that have been around for a long time, and yeah. we don't see any decline in that. Those will probably be around for a long time. Okay, cool. So who are the guys to collect right now? I know a lot of people may be developing a little bit of interest after hearing you talk about this. So who are the the big names to collect right now? It can be vintage, it can be current, whatever. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the names that I mentioned earlier, they're, you know, whether it's all-time stars or current all-stars, those are going to be your big chasers. So, you know, you sure. have, you know, uh, Wayne Gretzky, Alex Ovechkin, Connor McDavid. Uh, you have Austin Matthews, who's really good for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Um, pretty much just if you look at NHL stories on, you know, wherever you receive your, your news from, yeah, any name that you see frequently is going to be one that you can collect and see a return on investment in. In terms of vintage guys, uh, more recently, you know, in in retrospect in right. comparison <laughs> you have uh like yager uh patrick waugh uh pavel datsyuk for the red wings and you can go further back and uh even go to like maurice richard who's the first person to score 50 goals in a season okay yeah okay and i'm assuming guys like uh bobby hull and brett hull and people like that are still still collectible right yeah yeah absolutely all of the all the big names through through the years you know that maybe if you're your age that you remember hearing growing up as a kid right <laughs> yeah you had to hear it folks uh, the first age shot of the broadcast so one one last question as far as the uh, hockey hobby side of it goes taylor if you had to pick one or two cards that are your favorites again not necessarily like the most valuable but the ones that you like the most or that are the coolest to you? Um, so I have a uh, Jose Soros young gun. Uh, for those of you that don't know, he's the goaltender for the Nashville Predators right now. 
after Pekka Rene left, uh, he he really filled a gap that we needed in terms of leadership and uh, between the posts okay. as a goalie. And if I had to pick another one, uh, I have a Maurice Richard auto that, that I got. And that one's really cool because uh, it was from like a 90s set. I think it was 90 score or 91 score. Yeah. And then somebody got it uh, autographed in person. Then it was authenticated by, by PSA. But uh, in terms of the actual card, it's got a picture of him on the rink and it just says the legend. And then it's autographed. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, if you're wondering, what are we talking about when we mean, when we say autoed or um, PSA or authenticated, things like that, you'll have to tune in for another show for that. <laughs> but I will tell you that Smith & Sons will be at the upcoming uh, card show at College Square Mall. If you are local to the East Tennessee area... College Square Mall is located in Morristown, Tennessee, and Taylor and I, and possibly Sawyer part of the time, will be up there set up as vendors on Super Bowl weekend, the weekend of the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th of February. So come by, check us out. We'll have all sorts of stuff, everything from Pokemon and non-sports cards to hockey, baseball, basketball, football. We'll have vintage cards. We'll have brand new stuff. Bring your kids. If you've got questions, feel free to ask. We'll help you out any way we possibly can. And there's a lot of other cool vendors that are set up at that show. It's an amazing show most of the time. And it's it really surprises people not from the East Tennessee or even from the Southeast, how much cool stuff is set up at that show. And we love it. We do it every time um, that that it comes around. So come by, check us out. Smith and Sons at College Square Mall, the weekend of February 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. All right. So as we move into segment two here, this I, I can't wait to get this one underway. We're going to talk about 80s horror movies. Oh, yeah. Now, if you're not familiar with 80s horror movies, it's not the dark, disturbing, like, stuff that you see out today and everything. It's not um, the the deep-thinking, demonic-spirited, all sorts of... <laughs> all, the, all the things that you think of when you think of a horror movie. Uh, 80s horror movies were fun. 80s horror movies were... They, they would make you jump, but... It, it wasn't all blood and guts and gore, and it wasn't all dark-themed uh, stuff. So, Taylor, uh, talk to us a little bit about what first got you started uh, watching horror movies. Or may- maybe I should just ask, what's the first horror movie you remember watching? So, the first horror movie that I remember watching, I don't know if it's the first one that I actually watched, but the first one that stayed with me was The Lost Boys. Yes. Yeah. Gotta love The Lost Boys. Yeah. So, how about how old do you think you were when you watched The Lost Boys? This is gonna this is gonna um, impugn some of my parenting skills for some <laughs> of y'all. So, uh, don't email me, don't message me. <laughs> uh, probably early teens. So, yep. not not that bad. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> not like you watched it right before you headed out to kindergarten or right. anything. I gotcha. Okay. So, for those of you that we're, we're going to talk just a little bit about some of our favorite 80s horror movies. So, since you already kind of broached the subject there, Taylor, let's, 
Let's talk about The Lost Boys. Uh, if you're not familiar with this movie, A, what are you doing? B, <laughs> why are you listening to this podcast at all? No, I'm, I'm joking, of course. But um, it, it is one of the more well-known 80s horror movies, I would say. Um, but kind of give us the, the premise of it, if you will, Taylor. Yeah, so there's the, these two teenage boys, uh, Jason Patrick and the, the lovable Corey Haim. One of the two Corys, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they move in with their mom in a uh, NorCal town, Santa Carla. Yeah. Yeah, Santa Carla. Yeah. And uh, so basically they're just kind of trying to scope out the new town, trying to fit in. Uh, there's there's a girl, Star. Of course. Yeah. There's always a girl. Always there's a girl. always a girl. <laughs> and uh, they they end up running into... Not a gang, but a group of kids that, that a, hang out together. A group of hoodlum vampires, <laughs> I guess, is the best way you could do it. Yeah. Uh, led by a young Keeper Sutherland. Yeah. Um, yeah. This this movie had a lot of like cool people in it for that time, especially. Um, this movie came out in 1987, and man, I remember it. Um, I was uh, what was I 16 at that time? Um, man, I remember this like it was yesterday. Uh, going to see the Corys, as I already mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. Jason Patrick and um, uh, the the girl that you mentioned there. Yeah. Her, her name was Star in the movie, yeah. um, but it was it was Jamie Gertz was the person that played it, and um, so I, it, it was one of the the cooler movies that I could remember seeing during my teenage years. And uh, one of the things that kind of drew me into it, of course, was my nerdy side. Uh, vampires, of course, and everything were cool. Um, but they'd never made them look as cool as they made them look in the Lost Boys. Yeah. And then it pulled my nerdy side in too when you found out that um, um, Corey Feldman and um, the 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 other brother there that they were the Frog Brothers in the movie, but that was uh, Jameson Newlander, and they their parents actually owned a comic book shop on yeah. the boardwalk there in Santa Carla. So that was that was one of the things that kind of pulled me in on that one too. Yeah. So to briefly go into the plot without giving too much away. Right. The, yeah. <laughs> the the older brother Michael has the hots for Star. Yeah. And uh later on through some exposition you find out that Star is indeed undead. And so Indeed undead. I yeah, like that. <laughs> exactly. And so uh Michael, the the older brother, is trying to save Star from that and uh the the younger brother has to try and save the older brother. So I have to ask you, if that were you and Sawyer, do you think Sawyer would be able to save you from the undead? Absolutely. All yeah. right. 100%. All right. <laughs> so let, let's go ahead and close it out here talking about the Lost Boys. Yeah. So uh, another reason that drew me into it, aside from the awesome score and, uh, you know, the, the typical 80s practical effects, yes. was uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character, David. Yep. He was menacing, but not in a world domination, you know, we're going to take over everything. They they wanted to be undead, so they didn't grow up. They were going to be teenagers forever, which is where the Lost Boys comes from, like Peter Pan. Right. Gotcha. And this was, you mentioned the score of this movie. This was the uh, movie that got me started uh, liking In Excess oh, of, yeah. all, of all groups. <laughs> it's, uh, you, if you haven't ever seen this movie, you need to go check it out. And if you're just too squeamish about, oh, I don't know if I could watch a horror movie or not, go listen to the soundtrack. You need to listen to the soundtrack at the very, (laughs) very least with Lost Boys. So let's move on to talking about our next movie. 
Okay, so this one is right on the cusp of the 80s. Just barely got under the wire there. It was released in 1980. And I kind of lumped this one in with one that was released two years earlier as some of the original, like the OG scary movies. Um, the, the one that was a couple years earlier was, of course, the original Halloween with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, it, that is one of the one that, that always will stand out in my mind. But this one that we're going to talk about is Friday the 13th. Yeah. So, Taylor, kind of give us a, a, a rundown of what went on in Friday the 13th. So Friday the 13th is really just the bloody beginnings of the summer camp slasher. Right. Yeah. It's another great example of 80s practical effects, good twist, decent plot. It's, it's, it's got a lot going for it. It really is one of the quintessential horror movies, and it's one of the big three in terms of horror monsters. Right. Right. Everybody knows who Jason is. Yeah. Everybody knows who Jason is. They know the hockey mask. They mm -hmm. know that look and everything. Of course, we're not going to ruin the uh, twist at the end of this one yeah. for you, but let's just say that it's not as uh, cheesy and goofy as some of the sequels you might have seen. Yeah. If you haven't seen this original, you got to go back and watch it. Um, this one, I had almost forgotten, had a young Kevin Bacon yeah. who who was in the movie, and, and as he is wont to do, he ignored the warnings of some of the old heads in the, in the town and everything and did his own thing. Didn't turn out so well for him <laughs> as it did in Footloose, but <laughs> but in all seriousness, the 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 plot of Friday the 13th kind of gives you two of those uh tenets of the horror genre if you will, especially from back in those days of don't fornicate and don't go walking into the woods by yourself. Yep. So uh it takes place in Camp Crystal Lake, which is, you know, a nice little idyllic, rustic kind of summer camp. Right. And uh, a lot of the local townspeople, you know, are warning all the camp counselors about, oh, you know, you shouldn't go there. And all of this stuff has happened through the years. And, you know, they're they're rock and roll teenagers, man. They don't care. <laughs> like I said, he's Kevin Bacon. They ain't telling him nothing. <laughs> in, in terms of plot, Friday the 13th is really straightforward. It's pretty cut and dry. Right. But uh, seeing the kills and everything like that is, is really good. It's really well done. Uh, again, more 80s practical effects in, in full effect. Uh, Pamela Voorhees is really just amazing. Yeah. And then the, the whole ending sequence is really good. I'm not going to spoil it, obviously, but right. it's great. It's really good stuff. Uh, typical teenage hijinks movie but it was one of the originals that that kind of set the bar for jump scares and uh the 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 kills of the slasher all that good stuff so let's move on and talk about our third movie actually this is a a group of movies the 1980s were like stephen king golden years as yeah. far as the movies go um there were Help me out here, Taylor. There was Pet Cemetery. Obviously, jumps out. Uh, Cujo, and in terms of a of a classic animal based horror uh, movie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Then there was uh, Christine about a uh, basically a a haunted car. Mm -hmm. uh, Graveyard Shift, which was a horror movie set in a in a factory. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, there was Silver Bullet. Going back to uh, had the uh, 
had a, a Corey appearance there yeah. as well. <laughs> uh, Children of the Corn comes to mind. It's a good cult Creepiest classic. Creepiest kids you will ever see on screen. Yeah. I, I still stand by that statement. Creepiest kids you will ever see on screen. The kid that played Isaac in that movie, mm-hmm. and then the uh, the redheaded guy that, that played Malachi, kind of the brute force behind the uh, the Children of the Corn. Mm-hmm. This was, but th- those were just some of the the movies that Stephen King had in the nineteen eighties. What what stands out to you, Taylor? What's what's one of your favorite Stephen King eighties horror movies? Um, so not necessarily a Stephen King movie, but an adaptation of a Stephen King book. Okay, we have to talk about The Shining. The Shining, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and he hated, absolutely hated that movie. Uh, Stephen King did. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Starred uh, starred Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance, and then uh, Shelley Duvall as his wife Wendy, mm-hmm. and uh, another little creepy kids in that one, yeah. but not not nearly as much as Children of the Corn. Yeah, um, and that was Danny Lloyd as uh, David Torrance or Danny oh, Torrance. Danny Sorry. Torrance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I I would say for me the one that that kind of stands out is Pet Cemetery. That was yeah. one that even if I were to sit down and watch Pet Cemetery right now, there's still a couple of moments in it that would creep me out a little bit. The uh, the Achilles heel slice. The 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 heel slice. Yeah. And the dream sequence where the wife is remembering back to when her sister was ill. Uh both of those, man, those, those still get me. Mhm. Absolutely. <laughs> but really, like I said, the the 80s were just uh, the golden age of of Stephen King horror films, and we could talk about these for probably well these and and the others in in that decade for probably two hours. So we'll go ahead and move on to film number four, and this one is probably the first horror movie that I can remember that actually terrified me. Uh, I watched it as a thirteen year old, I guess, um, and we're talking about. Nightmare on Elm Street, and this was a, a classic from from Wes Craven, who was a, a master of horror movies, uh, master of the jump scare, master of uh, a lot of things, yeah. uh, uh, horror film related. So, kind of give us a lowdown on this one, Taylor. So, uh, long story short, you got Robert England as Freddy, who's just a phenomenal villain. Because you can't run away. You have to sleep sometime. You gotta go to sleep at some point. Yeah. Uh, and basically, if you die in your dreams, you die in real life. Right. And so it's it's about uh, two kids, uh, Nancy and Glenn, that try and solve the puzzle to escape Freddy. Yeah. Glenn portrayed by a young, fresh-faced Johnny Depp yeah. before, uh, <laughs> before he was a pirate. Uh, so that... Uh, I, I I flashed back to this when we started talking about it a little bit. Um, I can remember being in middle school and kids coming to school talking about this, absolutely still terrified, yeah. like still <laughs> still absolutely scared out of their minds. Um, it was, and, and you guys that are listening to this, if you're a little bit younger, you may be thinking, oh, "I've seen that movie. That wasn't that scary. It wasn't. It wasn't really scary." Hey, you got to remember, we hadn't seen stuff like that when <laughs> when uh, Freddy came out. That was that was something brand new and uh, unbelievably scary for us. 
And again, this is one of those films that was focused kind of on teenagers and uh, of course, that just added to the scariness of it if you were a teenager back in those <laughs> days and everything. So, uh, a really cool movie, though. Um, really well done. Uh, Robert England, like you said, was just uh, masterful as Freddy. Just some of the one-liners that yeah, he had and absolutely. everything. Um, what What about this film kind of stands out to you, Taylor? Uh, just how well done Freddy is as a uh, antagonist. Uh, he's, he's ever present because yeah. you, you figure out that he's in the dreams and you try and stay awake and then it gets harder to, uh, discern whether you're awake or asleep. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's the infamous scene in the bathtub where Freddy's claw comes up. Right. And then, uh, at, at the very end of the movie where, uh, Nancy is standing outside the door and then the Freddy hand pops through the door and pulls right. her through like a rag doll. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, again, this was just one of those films that, uh, kind of uh, set the bar as far as uh, newer horror movies. Anything that came after it, you could count on uh, it being compared retroactively to Nightmare on Elm Street. So let's go ahead and talk about our fifth and final film here. And this one, quite honestly, may be my favorite horror movie from the 1980s, Fright Night. And it's my favorite probably because of the just the perfect blending of horror and comedy it's a it's got teenagers in it which of course uh, you know something that makes it relatable if you're going through that stage of your life at that time and of course it had vampires yeah so vampires made it made it scary but kind of cool and there was enough uh, enough snappy dialogue in it too that that kind of made it funny and entertaining to watch so uh, Taylor, you want to give us kind of the rundown again on, on what the plot looked like for Fright Night? Yeah, so Fright Night is a horror film fanatics horror movie. Yes. You know, uh, Charlie Brewster, the, the main character, loves horror movies. Right. Uh, and so basically Char- uh, Charlie Brewster is living his life. There's a newcomer to town. Uh, he's convinced that the newcomer is a vampire and nobody believes him. Right. So he ends up calling uh, like a washed-up actor, Peter Vincent, who killed vampires right. in the movies to help him with this. Right. Played by Mr. Roddy McDowell, the uh, the accomplished uh, British actor. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's a really great movie. Again, a lot of those practical effects from the '80s on full display. Uh, a lot of the vampires look like a Baraka from <laughs> from Mortal <Right>. Kombat. <laughs> right. But yeah, it, it's got really great. Uh, you know. Taglines, one-liners. There's a great uh, mix, like you said, of comedy and horror. Yeah, and there a couple of the people that are in this movie uh, are are those that you could spot other places throughout the '80s. Uh, Chris Sarandon, of course, was in multiple films. Uh, play actually, if, uh, as far as horror movies go, he played uh, detective in Child's Play. Mm-hmm. So he he had uh, a lot of different credits, and then Amanda. Bears, I guess, is how you would would pronounce her last name. Anyway, she uh, she was Charlie's girlfriend in Fright Night, but later on she would play uh, neighbor to the Bundys in Married with Children, the <laughs> uh, the Fox TV series. So a uh, lot of cool people that you could spot throughout that movie, and again, just uh, like I said, the perfect pairing of comedy and horror. If you have not seen Fright Night, you got to check that one out. 
Fright Night is another one of these 80s movies with an amazing score. Right. It's got really good. I'd, I'd call it second only to Lost Boys, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but Fright Night is, is really good. Like I said earlier, it's it's a horror movie fan's horror movie. Uh, it plays into a lot of the vampire tropes, you know, not seeing their reflection, having to be invited into the house. And right. then uh, at, at at the very end, as the credits start to roll, you can hear <laughs> Evil Ed say, you're so cool, Brewster. That, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> you're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> so this has been a lot of fun for us, kind of sitting down, uh, obviously getting to hang out with, with Taylor is always cool, but talking cards and talking horror movies, um, to kind of wind this up, um, we'll just list off some others uh, from this genre that came out in the in the 80s or around the 80s that if you haven't seen them, uh, we would highly recommend you, you checking them out. So, Taylor, you want to go first, Taylor? Cronenberg's uh, The Fly, absolutely amazing body horror there. Jeff Goldblum's slow burn transformation, really <laughs> right. awesome. Right? Um, and if... I, I don't know that I would have always considered this one a horror movie, but I, I guess because of the premise of it, you would. Little Shop of Horrors yeah. with Rick Moranis <laughs> uh, it is a musical. Uh, it is funny. There's a cameo with uh, Steve Martin as a dentist. So it, it's got everything. So um, you, you can't go wrong if you want to check out Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, Child's Play is is another big one. Gives you one of those quintessential horror movie villains. You know, you got Charles Lee Ray in in the good guy doll. Yep. And then yep. the the whole ending scene with the burnt Chucky coming back. Yeah, that one's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And um, again, not sure if I would consider this one necessarily necessarily a a horror movie, but Gremlins. Gremlins yeah. has got kind of a, a scary premise to it. Uh, of course, uh, uh, the Mogwai, the, the creature, is probably one of the cutest things that you'll ever see that turns into one of the ugliest things you'll yeah. ever see. So, um, uh, if you haven't seen Gremlins, definitely check that one out. Yeah. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, really yes. cool. Parasitic Alien, again, m- more really awesome practical effects that turns into just claustrophobic paranoia because of the shape-shifting abilities at the end. It's, it's great. Awesome movie. Yes, and if you're into uh, goofy, kind of uh, silly, funny horror movie mixed in, all that mixed together in a movie, uh, you need to check out Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> um, that there, There's no describing it, yeah. so I, I won't even try to describe it for you. If you're into horror movie anthologies, check out uh, Tales from the Dark Side and or Creepshow. Both of those are really good. Some of the last crowning anthology movies. Yes, Creepshow was, was unbelievable. Um, loved that one. And I would say um, to kind of wind it up, um, I, my last one anyway I'm going to throw at you is going to be Pumpkinhead. Uh, Pumpkinhead is one of the, I watched this, um, I remember the very first time I watched this, I rented it from a Blockbuster. You young guys aren't going to know what that is, <laughs> but I rented it from a Blockbuster and my, my good friend Tommy came over to, to my dad's house and we sat and watched Pumpkinhead on Halloween. So that was, uh, that was really cool. It was a, um, the, the creature in it is, um, funny mm-hmm. and and scary at the same time yep. uh, but pumpkin head would have to go on that list you, you got a last one to wind it up with 
Uh, yeah, got a last one and then a couple honorable mentions for Gotcha, us. okay. Uh, so the, the last one's got to be Candyman. Candyman, yeah, yep. Absolutely okay. iconic villain there. Uh, you know, you might say that it's not that scary because it's just, it's a guy. But the the actor, I, I forget his name, Tony something. That, yes, yeah. That plays Candyman. Right. Cultivates this really terrifying aura about him and it's yeah. just, it's really well done. But... Uh, just some some honorable mentions that didn't quite make either the top list or didn't quite fit the '80s criteria. Mm-hmm. Scream, Scream, obviously another yep. another Wes Craven film. Yep, very good. Um, I'll throw an honorable mention in to uh, something Wicked This Way Comes. Yeah, um, if you want to see something where uh, these two young boys and and they they are confronted by a villain and his name is Mister Dark. Yeah, so. <laughs> Um, any more honorable mentions, Ty? Uh, another 1990, so it didn't quite make, make yeah. the make the cutoff. Uh, it with Tim Curry playing Pennywise. Yes, yes, Tim Curry. I remember that one. Yeah. I remember that one. And also uh, another anthology that um, we, we didn't touch on is Twilight Zone, the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one came out in 83. Uh, my dad was, uh, that was one of the things that kind of got me started in, uh, horror movies and, and uh, sci-fi mystery type things was um, dad a lot of times would talk about old Twilight Zone episodes or if if they came on um, Superstation WTBS out of Atlanta, <laughs> we would we would catch a, a rerun or something. Um, so anything else, Tay? Anything else you wanted to throw in as far as the horror movie? Um, maybe Return of the Living Dead. Okay, yeah. Not... Not quite a deep cut, but one that's not on a lot of people's list. Yep. That one's that one's really good. It's got your own uh, kind of horror comedy mix in there. Again, '80s practical effects. I, I keep talking about it, but it was really when they were at the absolute height of of their awesomeness. Yes, yes. And I swear I could keep going on this for hours, but I'm going to throw one more in, and that's going to be Swamp Thing. That one came out in um, 82, and it was um, kind of sci-fi, kind of horror, kind of um, just a, a cool premise uh, behind it. I, I won't go into all the details and everything, but it was another Wes Craven film. That's your final one here, Taylor? Yeah, one last honorable mention, part three. <laughs> uh, 1981's The Evil Dead, directed by Sam Raimi. That yeah. one was absolutely awesome. Again, practical effects on full display, lots of gore, blood, guts, and still some semblance of a plot in there too, but that spawned a whole series, you know, whether it's Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, whatever, but it, that was really a good seminal horror movie. Yeah, yeah, and for for my final one, um, I'm going to throw out uh, Poltergeist. It was one of those that was creepy, a um, uh, couple of tragedies associated with the filming of that movie. Um, but it, it was really a, a well done movie. Um, great acting, uh, great, great effects throughout it. Um, so I guess we're kind of wrapping this thing up, Taylor. Um, appreciate you joining us today, man. Um, it's been a lot of fun talking cards and talking sports and talking movies with you. It's been great to come on and talk about, uh, hobbies and, you know, awesome movies that I've learned and gotten to watch in large part, thanks to you and everything. Right, right. Um, 
So we are going to go ahead and wrap up this episode, guys. And again, I want to encourage you, if you are interested in the uh, collecting as a hobby or sports in general, um, things of that nature, come out and check us out at the Collector's Show at College Square Mall on February 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. That's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll be there mall hours. So come check us out and be sure to share this podcast with your friends, with your family, anybody that you think might be interested in a little twisted Gen X perspective on some things. And be sure to tune in next time as we will have Scott McNabb with Corellian Customs with us. And he is in 3D printing. And I'll let him tell you all about the, the cool stuff that he can do. But it's going to be really neat to get educated on things like that. So come check us out next time. And in closing, in the words of Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other. And we'll see you guys next time.